as a Great Commission church, as a church committed to spreading the good news of Jesus Christ to as many people as possible this morning, it is an interesting thing for us to consider. It is an interesting question for us to ask, what keeps people from finding and following Jesus as their Savior? What keeps people from finding and following Jesus as their Savior? Now, honestly, and I'll just be very honest with you today, I'll just tell you, I do not get it. I cannot understand it. And really today, it makes no sense to me. If you tell me about God who loves me in spite of me, if you tell me about a Savior that takes my punishment for sin, that he himself pays my penalty for sin, if you tell me that through faith in that Savior that I can be forgiven of the guilt of my sin, that I can be redeemed, that I can be restored in my relationship with the Holy God, if you tell me that by faith in Jesus and of no work of my own that I can have eternal life, I would say yes. I would say, friend, that's a no-brainer. And where my way is not working, in fact, my way has failed and I'm living in the guilt and the, and the, the, the doom of my life and I'm awaiting an eternal punishment and, and in the meantime, I'm living in the mess and the chaos of the days that I'm in and when you tell me about faith through salvation, through faith in Jesus Christ, I wanna tell you, I'm gonna tell you absolutely. I'm gonna tell you yes. It seems clear to me. And so that question looms. That's a big question. What would keep people from finding and following Jesus as their Savior? Big question. I thought about that and I thought about that. And really I wonder how is that possible? You can carefully explain the good news of Jesus Christ and, and some people will turn their back on it. Many people, in fact, most people, the Bible says, will reject it. How is that possible? What could keep us away? How could that not be the greatest news ever? Well, today I'm gonna tell you what I believe and I believe we're gonna see it in our verses today. I believe it is three main Things. I believe these three things, the lure of the world, the promotion of self, and the rejection of truth. I believe those three things keep people from hearing and receiving the gospel of Jesus Christ. Again, the lure of the world, the promotion of self, and the rejection of truth. Those three things are opposed to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Those three things are in opposition to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Today our message is entitled, What Hinders You? What Hinders You? We're in Luke chapter 16. Today we're gonna look at verses 14 through 18. Again, Luke chapter 16, today verses 14 through 18. I'm gonna ask if you would, if you would stand with me again in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's word. Luke chapter 16, beginning here in the 14th verse. What hinders you? Now the Pharisees, who were lovers of money, were listening to all these things and were scoffing at him. And he said to them, you are those who justify yourselves in the sight of men, but God knows your hearts, for that which is highly esteemed among men is detestable in the sight of God. 
the law and the prophets were proclaimed unto John. Since that time, the gospel of the kingdom of God has been preached and everyone is forcing his way into it. But it is easier for heaven and earth to pass away than for one stroke of the letter of the law to fail. Verse 18, everyone who divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery. And he who marries the one who is divorced from a husband commits adultery. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come today and we're thankful today that we serve a risen, resurrected and reigning Savior, Jesus, that it is finished and Jesus is our Lord. We come today and as your people, we want to offer up our hearts of worship and gratitude to you. We tell you we love you, we praise you, and we worship you. We come today as we begin to study your word. We, we thank, we're thankful for your word, but we pray also that it wouldn't be a manual, it wouldn't be a book, it wouldn't be some, some piece of information, but we would understand that it is the living and active word of God that you speak through it today. And I pray as we begin to study it that, that you would convict us and teach us and change us and that we would hear from you today. I pray that we would be changed. I pray that those without Christ might be saved. I pray that those who've put a, their faith in Christ today, that we would grow, we would draw nearer to you and that this would be a, a supernatural event in the study and the proclamation of your word. We tell you once again, we're thankful we praise you and we worship you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. As we begin today, we find Jesus, we see Jesus in an action that we honestly would probably like to overlook. This morning, we find Jesus doing something that many people today would even reject. They would call him unkind, or they would call him unloving, or they might call him judgmental, or they might even call him unchristlike. And yet Jesus is the one that we find in this activity. And that activity is boldly confronting and calling out those who are calling sin not sin and who are rejecting the gospel. And if you look at our verses today, really that's what is going on. Jesus is boldly confronting them. He doesn't come up. He's, he's not timid in his confrontation, but he confronts them as they call sinful things, not sin, and as they reject the good news of the kingdom of God. Now I have to say, this messes with our formula for growing the church today. This is not an attractive thing. I will tell you, it messes with how we want to be perceived as Christians. This is for sure not a popular thing. I will tell you, it also messes with how we want to see Jesus. This is not the image of Jesus that we necessarily like. And yet, it is the truth nonetheless. Now, I read these verses early last week, and I think, dadgum, the Bible, the Bible does that to us when we, when we look at the truth. Even not liking it, it stands as the truth. Let's look at the verses, beginning at verse 14. It says, now the Pharisees, who were lovers of money, were listening to all these things and were scoffing at him. Now, understand as we start verse 14 today, 
Jesus had been teaching his disciples. That's what the preceding verses were about. Jesus had been teaching. He had been instructing his disciples. We find in the preceding verses that he has been telling them of the level of commitment required from his followers. Now, to paraphrase, he has been revealing that a half-hearted commitment won't cut it. He's been revealing a halfway effort won't stand. And he's been telling them either you're serving and committed to the ways of the world and thus you are opposed to God or you're serving and committed to God and thus you are in opposition to the world. Verse 13 says you can have not two masters. No one could serve two masters. You can't operate in two systems. Well, these Pharisees, these religious elitists, the Bible says, had been listening in. Now remember, he's talking to his disciples. He is instructing them, but it says the Pharisees had been listening in. It actually says, now the Pharisees who were lovers of money were listening to all these things. Now again, if you remember from last week, Jesus had immediately above this just taught that your your love for money will lead you away from faith in God or your love for God will lead you away from placing your faith in your money. And they had overheard that. Now be sure today, as we, as we see the picture develop here, be sure the, the love of money wasn't their greatest problem. We see it as a symptom of their problem, but it wasn't their greatest problem. Their greatest problem was their wicked and selfish and self-serving hearts. Verse 14 says, and after hearing these things, after hearing the instruction, the teaching of Jesus, after hearing these things, they were scoffing at him. Now understand that word for scoff here in the, in the original language, in the Greek, means an aggressive show of disapproval. Now they weren't just standing somewhere listening and rolling their eyes. They weren't standing somewhere with their arms crossed. No, it was an active show of disapproval. It actually means to literally turn your nose up and to mock and to ridicule. There is an active intent in their scoffing. So the first thing to see this morning is this, and I've said it before. The truth is always divisive. The truth is always divisive. We need to get used to that. That's the truth, and we've seen it before, and now we see it again. The truth is always divisive. More than that, in a lost world, the truth draws rejection. That's the biblical truth. The truth proclaimed draws rejection. We need to be sure the truth proclaimed doesn't draw the town together. No, it actually drives people apart. The truth actually proclaimed doesn't make you popular. No, the biblical truth is it makes you an outcast. The truth is divisive. Now I have to think about this. I really have to see this to understand this and understand the depth of it. Think about this for just a second. Jesus is the truth. In fact, John chapter 14, Jesus says of himself, I am the truth. Now, I want you to see the picture here. So look at this day. Here you have the truth, and he is proclaiming the truth, and they mock him. 
and they reject him and they sneer and they ridicule him. Now, can you imagine that? We have the truth as he proclaims the truth and he is rejected by men. The truth is always divisive. And that brings us to the first main point today and that is this. The lure of the world keeps people from missing from receiving the gospel. That's the first truth. The lure of the world keeps people from receiving the gospel. Now, I want you to see the pictures that's developed so far. These men, understand it doesn't matter what they're pretending to be. These men are lost in their sins. These men are in need of a savior, but they would rather have their money and they would rather have their position and they would rather have their power than they would to hear the truth of Jesus Christ. That's the truth. The lure of the world keeps people from receiving the gospel. I want to tell you today in 2017, there's going to be a whole multitude of people who will miss our Savior, Jesus Christ, because they couldn't let go of the luring things of this world. Moving on, verse 15. And he said to them, gets rough right here. He said to them, you are those who justify yourselves in the sight of men, but God knows your hearts For that which is highly esteemed among men is detestable in the sight of God. Now here in verse 15, Jesus notices these folks and they're scoffing at him. And so now he turns and he turns away from addressing his followers and now he starts to turn and address those who are scoffing at him. And then he says, you are those who justify yourselves in the sight of men, but God knows your hearts for that which is highly esteemed among men is detestable in the sight of God. Now get the picture. To justify means to approve, or it means to confirm, or it means to declare right. And so to justify yourself means to approve of yourself. It means to confirm Yourself. It means to declare yourself right. Now, in this specific case, they were declaring themselves right with God, and that's what they were doing. They acted religious. They professed to keep all of the laws and all of the rules, and they were known for it, and they were esteemed for it, and men praised them, and they held them as the religious elite. Now, here's the problem with that. What men declare as worthwhile What man decides is impressive, the things that men esteem, wealth and money and power, these things that impress men, Jesus say are detestable in the sight of God. The word detestable here means utterly revolting. Utterly revolting. What these men thought made them big big deals in the minds of men These things that they thought were were esteemed by men and people said, look at them and look at the things they do and look at the positions they have and look at the the power they've accumulated. All these things that they were professing as, as the good things in their life. God says of those things, men may think highly of them, but they make me sick. He knows their hearts. He knows the truth and he is sickened by their self justification. That brings us to the second truth today. Promotion of self 
causes people to miss the gospel, the true gospel. Hear that again. Promotion of self causes people to miss the gospel. Be sure today. People who think that they're all right, people that think, well, at least I'm not as bad as those other people. I haven't done what those folks have done. People who have some way begin to justify their sin and they're not worried about their sin. They're not grieved by their sin. They're not ashamed of their sin. People that think that there's some way to self-justify themselves, those people have no use for a savior who came to save sinners. They're above that. They do not need that. They're self-reliant and they have no use for such a self-depreciating gospel. Let me just tell you the truth today. The world that we live in today, they're happy with you. In fact, they'll approve your sin. You want to to enter into sin? The world will approve of that. The world world today says you're okay. In fact, the world today says, actually, you're really pretty great. And the world says today, you know, if you you have a problem, it's a problem that your self-esteem is too low. And you're not thinking highly enough of yourself. And that's what's wrong with our kids. They don't think highly enough of themselves. And that's what's wrong with us as adults is we don't think highly enough of ourselves. And that's what the world's telling us. And the world says the reason that you have problems, the reason that you have addictions, the reason that you have failures and troubles is because you're not seeing how great you are. And modern counseling today says the answer you need to find is an answer within yourself. You're great enough and you're good enough and we just need to build up your self-esteem esteem. Well, I want to tell you what the biblical truth today is. The biblical truth is we are sinners. Start your counseling session like that. You're a sinner. I'm a sinner. We're selfish and we're self-seeking and we're self-serving and we have no hope of self-justification. We have no possibility of self-justification and the only justification we're going to have is the justification that comes through Jesus Christ and the cross of Calvary. The promotion of self causes people to miss the gospel of Jesus Christ. Isn't it funny? That's the world's plan. Self-promotion. Look at verses 16 and 17. The law and the prophets were proclaimed unto John. Since that time, the gospel of the kingdom of God has been preached and everyone is forcing his way into it. But it is easier for heaven and earth to pass away than for one stroke of a letter of the law to fail. Now, there's a whole bunch. We could actually go a couple weeks in these two verses, but but get this today. They were saying, they were making it seem, they were were self-justifying because they said they held the law. They kept the law. They were proficient in the law and they were proficient in the Old Testament writings and they, they held that up as their standard. Now in a moment as we look at verse 18, we're gonna see it was a false standard. They actually weren't keeping the law, but their justification was based upon their application of the law. Look at us, we hold the law. We've memorized the law. We, we profess to live by the law. Now there's a lot there, but see this today. The law and the prophets, the Bible says, were proclaimed, this is what Jesus says, unto John. Now, that's talking about John the Baptist. The law and the prophets were proclaimed until John the Baptist. Since John the Baptist, 
the kingdom of God is preached. The law and the prophets were proclaimed until John. Since then, the kingdom of God is preached. See this today. Understand this. This is a big deal. The point to the law and the prophets wasn't the law and the prophets as these guys were supposing. Understand today, the point to the law and the prophets was the coming of a Messiah, Jesus Christ, our Savior. Get this today, the point of scripture, the point of all scripture is the point to Jesus Christ. And these guys were professing proficiency with the scripture that was pointing to Jesus while they were standing there and rejecting the physical Jesus. Brings us to the third truth and that is this, listen to this. Rejection of the truth causes people to miss the gospel. Now I could go into a half a year sermon series on that, but you listen to that. Rejection of the truth, and I'm talking about God's word, I'm talking about the Bible. Rejection of the truth causes people to miss the gospel. Listen to me today, get this today. The word of God of itself says, it leads us to salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. And so if you reject the truth of God's word, if you deny the truth of God's word, you will miss Jesus. That's why there's an attack on God's word today. That's why Satan would lead us today that, that it's all right to distort God's word as long as it's close enough. It's all right to leave God's word and look for something else. It's all right to deem it not necessary or not enough and to downplay the word of God today because if you miss the truth, if you reject the truth, you will miss Jesus. Well, I'm not sure this is trustworthy. Well, I'm not sure this is right. I'm not sure I don't need something, a fresh word or something to add to it. Listen to me, if you miss the truth, you will miss Jesus. Look at these guys. Proficient in the law and the prophets. Seeing the prophecies and seeing them fulfilled. Rejecting the truth, they miss Jesus. Then we find verse 18. Really, verse 18, to make all this plain, Jesus gives them a case study. He basically just points something out to them. You're sitting here and you're telling me you're following the law and the law's justified you and you're a religious elitist because of your, your proficiency in the law. Let me just tell you a case here. Let me just bring something to attention. Jesus says, verse 18, everyone who divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery. And he who marries one who is divorced from a husband commits adultery. Now I want you to understand what's going on in this, in this day. In this day, the Pharisees had taken Deuteronomy chapter 24 verse one and they had misapplied it. Now if you go look at Deuteronomy chapter 24 verse one, it says, if a husband finds indecency in his wife that he could give her a certificate of divorce. Now that indecency is talking about adultery. It's talking about sexual sin. Well, these folks had made it any indecency. And as it had grown over time, they, they had made it any indecent thing or anything they thought was not favorable. And so they could come up and say, you know what? Her cooking's indecent. And I'll give her a certificate of divorce. You know what? I don't like how she looks anymore. I woke up this morning and look at the lady. She's indecent. 
Somebody get the book and we'll write our certificate of divorce. Maybe it's her personality and I'm sick of her personality. Any reason they could deem indecent, they had taken that and they were writing these things like this and basically they had entered into adultery and they were living how they wanted to live and then they were stamping God's stamp of approval on it. Well, Jesus says here, you know what, fellas? I know the law. He wrote it. He says, you know what, fellas, I know your hearts and I know what you've been up to. And he says, I sit here and I look at your pious self declaring yourself self-righteous and right before God when you're nothing but a bunch of lying, cheating adulterers. That doesn't hold much clout with us today. We think that's a normal thing, but I want to tell you, if you're a religious elitist in this day, it hurt to be called an adulterer. In the book of Leviticus chapter 20, verse 10, it says, you know what? They ought to both be jerked up, taken out, and stoned. And that's what Jesus says. You know what? You're a bunch of frauds. You're a bunch of charlatans. You're a bunch of posers. And you're chasing the things of the world. And you're promoting yourselves. And you've rejected the truth of God's word. And you're missing the good news of Jesus Christ. What's that mean for us today? Here's a question. Are you missing the gospel? Have you been lured into the things of this world? You can't let them go, and you know what? That seems more impressive than the things of God, and so you're just going to miss the gospel? Are you promoting yourself, and you know what? You're okay, and you're good enough, and you can excuse your sin, and you're all right with it. If God will get all right with it, you'll be okay, and you're promoting yourself. Or if you deny the truth of God's word, you reject what it says. You know what, this, this is some kind of fairy tale, some mythological thing for some weak-minded people somewhere and you've rejected the truth of God. I want to tell you this. The gospel stands. It's the power of God and the salvation. It brings us to faith in Jesus Christ by which we're redeemed and we're saved. Are you missing the gospel today? Dear God, do not miss it. Dear God, do not leave this room and miss the good news of Jesus Christ. Second question is this. Those who have received it, here's a big question. Are we prepared to defend it? See what I'm saying here? You know what you're gonna have to do? You're gonna have to stand up to the world. You're gonna have to walk in opposition to the world. A lot of people don't wanna do that anymore. In fact, most people don't. A lot of people are going to have to, to stand on the truth of God's word and say, you know what, I'm, I'm crazy enough. I believe this is the word of God and it holds the authority of God and it's sufficient for me and I'm going to stand on the word of God. Are you prepared to defend it? Are you prepared to boldly proclaim it? To tell people our only hope is this and not in anger, not in judgment, but in grace and love. There is a Savior who loves you and died for you that we might be saved. Are you prepared to proclaim it? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come. I'm thankful for you, my Savior, my Lord. I worship you, I praise you, I thank you. My hope alone is in you. I'm not good enough. I'm far, far, far from it. Couldn't self-justify. All I did was, was self-destruct. And yet you love me and you, and you sent your son, Jesus, to die for me that I might be saved, that I might be redeemed. I tell you, I love you. I praise you. I thank you. I pray for some in this room that 
whatever the reason is, that whatever's been holding them back, that they've been missing the gospel of Jesus Christ, that they would receive it today. They would hear and see and receive the truth today. They'd put their faith in Jesus today. I know it's your will that none should perish. Use this message, use this hour, stir in their hearts that some might be saved in this hour. Pray for us here as the church. Pray that we be prepared to stand upon the truth of your gospel, your word, to stand in opposition to the world, to boldly proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ and use us for that. We tell you as we lay this at your feet, help us in it, empower us for it, use it for your glory. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.